you, Brother Brian. All right, folks, let's find um, 2 Peter. We're back in, in the first chapter of 2 Peter and in verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Uh, let's pray again. Father God, I'm thankful for this church that gathers, Father God, in an unusual way, Father. I'm thankful, Father God, for the God, the demonstrated, God, challenging obedience of this church, Father, where we have come out, Lord. And Father God, I thank you, Father God, for the heart of this church. God, we love you. But God, more than anything else right now, Father God, we need to demonstrate that love and that obedience for the entire world to see, Father. I am thankful for a world that, Father God, is, is primed and ready now for the gospel. I thank you, Father God, even for something as, as disastrous as this dread disease, Father God, because I know that, that through this futility, Father God, that you are, uh, Father God, you are showing hope. So God, make us as a church an instrument of that hope today. Not just what's preached, what's declared, Father God, from this pulpit. But that, Father God, what is lived out in the lives of these dear believers. We, Father God, individually every day, are the gospel that people will hear. Our lives, Father God, agreeing with the testimony of our mouths. That's what we're praying for today, Father God. I praise you, Father, and I ask you, please, God, to bless us today. As we look to your word, Father, encourage us with it, widen our hearts, Father God, change our minds, and bless us today, Father God, that this can be a life-changing time for all of us. Our faith, Father God, isn't on pause. Father God, our faith must be right now, God, a triumphant faith, a faith, Father God, that endures, a faith, Father God, that doesn't care about the circumstances, a faith, Father God, that's insistent, Father God, and a faith, Father God, right now that's desperate to see the gospel spread. We love you, Father. In the name of Christ, I pray, Lord. Amen. You know, the, the pan, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, there have been a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk about how pastors should address these issues, whether we should just simply focus on the gospel, which I pray we have done every time we have met, whether it is electronically or now in person. Um, and just simply not mention it. I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of kind of dancing around what is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um, the, the world we're living in right now is just not the world that any of us would have chosen at all. But the truth is, this world has now brought out in us something that, that needs to be brought out. It's drawn to the surface of our collective consciousness, the fragile and vulnerable nature of humanity. All of us have been reminded about how fleeting life is. The Bible has pronounced this. The Bible has, has dealt us this blow over and over again. But we needed to see it lived out in front of us. On a, a recent podcast on the White Horse Inn, 
Uh, Shane Rosenthal, one of their podcasters, said this. He said, the current pandemic forces us to confront the fact that we are not our own and that God himself is the one who holds the keys of life and death. God holds the keys today of life and death. Now look, as this situation draws out, as it, as it grows longer, I think many of us probably had hoped and thought it would be over so much sooner. I'm greatly fearful for the future of the church. I am. There's no reason why a, a leader with a heart after God would ever not be fearful and prayerful about where the church goes from here. Look, tragedies, we're equipped to deal with those. We rally. We understand what to do when someone loses desperately. We know what to do then. And catastrophes, I mean storms and things like that, they activate our deepest love and commitment to each other. We know how to deal with those situations. However, this scenario is vastly different than a seasonal or a momentary response to the futility to which the world is subjected. In other words, this is long and it's drawn out. And it takes a great deal of courage, a great deal of commitment for us to not lose ourselves in it. For us to not surrender to the, to the darkest aspects of our natures. Because this pandemic drags on, we can feel a challenge to our lives as we want them and interpret them to be. In other words, a lot of us are very stuck in our ways. We want our lives to be a certain way with certain supports and certain outlets. And when they're stripped away, when they're taken away from us, we can become kind of desperate. The blessing here is a reaffirmation and a reestablishment of our lives on the firm foundation of the rock who is Christ. When everything's taken away, when everything's stripped away from us, when everything that we count on for our sanity, for our peace of mind, everything that we count on to go and face the day is taken from us. We are left with the one immovable thing in our lives and that is a salvific relationship with Christ Jesus. That is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Now John Flavel commented this. He said, My God will not lose my heart. If a rod can prevent it, He would rather hear me groan here than howl hereafter. His love is judicious, not fond. He consults my good rather than my ease. In other words, we have a Lord on which we have built our lives who will do whatever it takes to keep us on the path that He has set before us. If it takes discipline, if it takes blood, God will do that. We will not fail. Not individually and not as a church. We will not. Look, Peter's words should bring a shudder to our wayward hearts, to our hearts that feel tempted by the darkness around them. When he writes, the divine power 
has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, He has granted to us all things. Everything that we need, God has already given. We aren't weak. We are by the Bible's definition stronger than we ever thought we could be. The only reason why we do not act strong is because we have believed the lie that we are weak. We have believed the lie that we need something else. The reality is He has given us everything that we need. In the darkest times that many of us can remember, the promise of Christ through Peter is that God's divine power grants us everything that we need to face the impediments in our path. Everything that we need for life. Everything that we need to be godly. He has given us everything. We receive this by way of knowledge of Jesus. Study, prayer, meditation, application. All those things that are not hampered. If anything, we have been liberated, many of us, to study more than we could ever study. To pray more than we've ever prayed in our lives. To meditate on God's Word more than we've ever meditated upon it. The shackles that once bound us, that once kept us from exploring the depths of God's Word, have been cut for so many of us. If we are not plunging ourselves into the truth of the Gospel, then it simply put, is our own fault. All this is possible. Study, prayer, meditation, application, all the knowledge of Jesus because He has willfully called us from the darkness of our natural world to the light and life of His eternal kingdom. He did this to set us free from bondage. And we will not as a people choose bondage again. We have been set free from darkness and we will not adopt darkness as a strategy for life. We will not surrender to fear and we will not surrender to mayhem. We will persevere as God's people. Because of the excellence of His infinite nature and for the glory that is rightfully His, Jesus has enabled His church through the world to shine as a light of hope in the bleakest of seasons. Our goal today, folks, is to shine radiantly. Our goal today, folks, is not to be foolhardy, not to be dismissive, not to be disobedient to government, none of those things, but to shine brightly. In whatever way you can shine, shine. If it's personally, if it's on social media, if it's on the phone or through text message, shine radiantly for the glory of God. That's your goal. That's my goal. It's not to bring each other back down to earth, but to lift everyone to the glories of heaven. That's what God's called us to do today as a church. What's the church's response to COVID-19? Shine brightly. Shine for the glory of God. Shine as if we have been set free because we have. As believers, in agreement with the gospel and in concert with each other, we must reaffirm our commitment to Christ publicly and resolutely. 
we are reaffirming today what Jesus truly means to us. <clears throat> the church of Christ has to consistently remind itself of the promises in John 16.33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. All of this is already defeated. Death itself defeated by the gospel of Jesus Christ made a footstool by our Lord. That's right. We know we struggle in the wilderness. We make our way obediently through a wasteland. But every obstacle already conquered by Christ, by the power of the blood and through the sovereign gospel message, we have peace in Christ Jesus. Our God-man speaks, declaring words of tranquility in the face of tribulation and victory repudiating the tyranny of the world. As Christ demands in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. We will not respond to, for many of us, the greatest tragedy of our generation with fear, but with confidence and trust because Christ is still Lord. The throne is still occupied. The King still reigns. Jesus is the meaning of our lives. And He is the antidote to fear which is hardwired into our souls. Confirmation of the meaning of our lives is the greatest issue with which we struggle and it transcends our individual circumstances. We are going to look again to reaffirm the fact that Jesus is our meaning for living. He is why we are here. We gather today because Christ is Lord. We gather today because He saved us from our sins and set us free to serve Him. We gather today because He is deserving. His, His reign warrants glory and honor. The church is always united by meaning. Now Gordon Allport, in his very famous preface to Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, addresses my point very, very well when he says, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. If there's a purpose in life at all, there must be a purpose in suffering and in dying. But no man can tell another what this purpose is. Each must find it for himself and must accept the responsibility that his answer prescribes. If he succeeds, he will continue to grow in spite of all indignities. He adds then, Frankel is fond of quoting Nietzsche who said, He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. Once again, we're reaffirming today that we have a why to live. And because we have a why, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation of the world for the glory of God, we can now deal with any how 
that the world brings. The gospel of Jesus Christ which saves our souls is also the ultimate why in relation to any of our hows. As a church, we must purchase, excuse me, we must pursue the gospel the gospel why so that we can fulfill our commitment to the world as characterized clearly by Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The church is never in seclusion. But we are always on the front lines armed with the life-changing truth of the gospel which no pandemic can dim nor fear impede. This disease will not hold back the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will reach dark places it has never been before and absolutely understand that God will use a disease to save souls. We are built on the firm foundation of Christ and we must do our part by displaying that fact for the world to see. Caught up, distracted, and obsessed with secondary pursuits which can masquerade as Christ-honoring, many believers come to body for the answers to legitimate questions that are secondary to the greatest point. How many people come to the church because they want a better marriage? Or they want to be better parents? Or they want to be a better employee? Or they want to be better at something. But what they need is the gospel. How many people come to the church to try to achieve secondary things when it's the salvation of their soul that is most important? Look, out there right now, if you want to be a better husband or a wife, a more complete father or mother, a more successful employee or employer, a better provider or a more accomplished leader, how do you do this? Honor Christ as King. Live for the gospel, reestablishing King Jesus as the embodiment of the meaning of your life. If Jesus is not the Lord, the King of your life, then you will never be in any aspect of your life who you should be, ever. But if Christ is King, then He will make you all things that you desire to be that bring Him honor. Do not be distracted by desires for a better or more secure life, which are only possible with a Christ-centered life. After all, the only safe life, the only secure life, is one that's centered, that's built on the foundation of Jesus. Unfortunately, it's clear that believers can be justified and redeemed by the legitimate means of Christ and yet completely misunderstand the broader impact that the gospel must have on the meaning of their lives. There are believers out there that are legitimately saved by the blood. Legitimately saved by the blood. But, yet they, but they are yet to embrace truly what it means to live for Christ daily. We're not going to leave any stone unturned. We're not going to stand back and say, well, it's okay as long as they are converted. We weren't called to make converts. We were called to make disciples. We were called to equip a church for the work of the ministry. We were called so that men and women could be drawn out of darkness and put to the work of light. 
That's why the church exists. And we won't settle for anything but that. Wisdom is to focus our minds on the God of our salvation. Pursuing Him through knowledge and wisdom. As Solomon writes in Proverbs 8, 33-36, Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For who, whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Listen to God and do not neglect Him today. He says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. He is the way for your life. There is no other way to life eternal and there's no other way to live and bring glory to Him but through Christ Jesus. Watch and wait daily for God. David writes in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after Him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Find the one whom you are seeking. The faith in Christ is predetermined and predefined by the Scriptures. As John writes in 2 John verse 9, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Love Christ the Lord with all of your faithfulness and with all of your zeal. Jeremiah proclaims the condition of those who refuse to find Christ or love Him when he writes in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will, will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. If we cannot love Christ as Savior and Lord, offering to Him the only sacrifice which is acceptable as our Lord, Lord emphasizes in Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. If we cannot bother to do that, then there dwells within us no assurance of that sweet salvation. None at all. Because God has defined these things for us. What kind of love should we be practicing today? What kind of love are we being called to as a church? Are we being called to demonstrate with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might? I will obey God, showing Him my love through obedience by obeying in every way. The outcome for those who refuse to love Christ is only darkness, pain, disappointment, and eternal death. And it's a difficult thing in a time of death to come forward and to talk not just about earthly death, but to speak of eternal death. To speak of infinite death. It's a very easy thing 
to adopt a way of thinking or believing that says that God is too kind. God's love wouldn't permit that. Oh, friend, I would say that God's love permits it and His justice demands it. Paul Washer preached. You say, now wait a minute. God doesn't hate anybody. God is love. No, my friend. You need to understand something. Jesus Christ taught, the prophets taught, the apostles taught this, that apart from the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord, the only thing left for you is wrath. The fierce anger of God because of your rebellion and your sin. As responsible adults, we've heard the truth and the command must ring in our ears of the Lord in Deuteronomy 6.6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I would challenge you, I'd ask you, I'd plead with you today. Are the words of God on your heart where they belong? Have they been inscribed there by the hand of the Father? Has your life been changed because your heart has been changed? The precious words are on our hearts commanding them to repent and believe, calling the church to a single-minded obsession with the Gospel, pushing aside the incidental in our lives and magnifying the essential. What is so glorious about this time is this, is that everything incidental is washed away. What's magnified? The things we've got to have. The things that are really important matter right now. Drawing our continuous attention to the bloody cross on which our sins were paid for and serving forever as a symbol of the cost of man's sin and what our lives must mean now. We have been bought for a price. An infinite price, a precious price. The blood of Jesus has paved the way for our liberty. If you've lost your sight of the cross and the sound of the gospel fades in your ears, then turn your eyes on Jesus. Do it now. Declare Him today with your life. Not a moment not a, not a time, not a season, but declare the glory of God with your entire life and let nothing stop you today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You for the opportunity to come and to share this Word, Father God, and I pray that I've done it rightly. I pray, Father God, that I've preached in a way, God, that is, that is gospel uh, complete, Father God, that is... Uh, that is tender and loving towards your people, Father God, but that challenges, Father God. Give me the thunder and lightning that only you can bring, Father God. And bless your people, Father God, to hear with the same passion. I adore you, Father God. I thank you for every drop of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins, Father God. And I thank you, God, for this particular people, a church called by the blood, Father God, out of darkness to serve God the light. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray, Lord. Amen.